Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Have you ever thought, gosh, I'd love to start my own radio or podcast, but I have no idea how to do it? Or are you a seasoned veteran who wants to level up and improve all aspects of your show? Well, I will be working with a select few to help you either start or polish your show. These are a few topics I will teach you. How to create your brand and how to be specific with your niche and your audience. The types of equipment you should use to help you improve the quality of your audio and your video. I'll teach you how to get your show aired on most podcasting platforms, as well as give you an option to create a video podcast. I'll teach you which recording platforms are best for your needs, as well as teach you the importance of having a show clock, the do's and don'ts of writing your own show notes that will help increase the reach of your audience and generate traffic to your website. I'll also introduce you to some of my contacts and previous guests. I'll also be offering a select few the opportunity to broadcast your show on my platform and have access to my three and a half million listeners. So if you're ready to start or level up your show, then visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James and sign up today. It's time, my friend, for you to stand out and share your message with the world. Once again, visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James to get started today. My guest today is Mia Hewitt, who is a founder and CEO of Aligned Intelligence. She is an expert on the topic of human potential. Mia helps entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs who know they're meant for more stop secretly struggling and make six and seven figure leaps in their business by using her Aligned Intelligence method. In today's episode, we talk about her book, Meant for More, Stop Secretly Struggling and Be a Force to Be Reckoned With. This book helps free the reader's minds from negative self-talk, helping them process their emotions to make more accurate decisions, to no longer fear people's judgments or needing people's approval so they may live the life they've always known they're meant to live. Welcome to Lifeology. Ah, thank you so much for having me, James. I am looking forward to this. I had such a great talk with you in the pre-call. And some of the things you were telling me, uh, I was super excited because you were telling me that you heal trauma for entrepreneurs, for businesses. And so obviously you'll explain more of that in a second. But before we get started, how did you even get into this world of human potential? Yes. That's a great question. Um, I grew up poor. So um, like, you know, I I was born in Florida, but raised in South America. My dad is Latin. My mom is American. And we grew up in the jungle, believe it or not. They had never seen a white person before. Um, So they would always touch my skin and touch my hair. They thought I was an albino. Long story short, though, my dad was Latin. He's passed away now. But he got caught Mm. sleeping with the woman next door. And so my parents divorced and my mom took us four girls and moved back to the U.S., Florida. Um, And that's where we were really poor, right? Um, She was a beginner teacher Mm -hmm. salary with four children. And um, how I got into human potential was really my dog died when I was 13 years old. Um, Our house was so infested with fleas. They literally sucked the blood out of him. And I remember making a decision that day, James. I was like, I don't know what it takes to like really be something in this world, but I am never going to be poor again. And once I figure it out, I'm going to give it to the world. I love that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's amazing. It's so funny. Um, I, you may not know this about me, but I actually grew up very in a very humble means as well and rural Canada. 
And so up in the bush with no electricity. So you and I kind of have some similarities. You were in the jungle. I was in the bush in Canada. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> we have a lot more That's awesome. in common than I think we realized. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Real life lessons, right? I know. Exactly. <laughs> now you have done so many things when it comes to business in general. You've you've shared the stage with many, many well-known individuals and speakers that, that are obviously in the same industry as we are. I should say industry, the same, um, same field we are when it comes to human potential, health and wellness. How is it for you upon reflection when, let's say when you're on stage and you think about that young girl in the jungle um, who said, I'm not going to be this way anymore. The reflection between the person today and the person then, what's the, what's different and what's mm. the same? Wow. Um, it's such a huge difference uh, from who I was mm. and who I am today. The same though, I'll start with the same because what's the same is I always really, really cared about people and animals. Like, um, really, yeah. really cared. Like I grew up on a farm um, and in the jungle, we, you know, had toucans there and monkeys and so forth. So I always loved being connected to nature and really like wanting to understand how life really works. Like, what is this? Yeah. And why do these, you know, these are good people and why do bad things happen to us? And yet where, you know, why is it that these bad people, they're like having good things happen. I always wanted to understand the why. So that is completely the same, right? What drives me is that ever wanting to understand all of the moving components. And what is completely different is I grew up um, very, very shy, um, really afraid to be seen, wanting to be invisible, mm. um, not wanting any spotlight on me, um, afraid to uh, say the wrong thing. I was constantly in fear of, did I say that right? Was that right? Was that wrong? Did I do that wrong? Mm. Was that wrong? Like, um, afraid to be seen as weak because the worst things happen in my family when we showed vulnerability. That's when we got it the worst. Oh, wow. So mm. weakness to me, I used to put on a huge front a huge wall. If I did have to show up, I'd have to be very walled up and protected and guarded. Um, so what's completely different is I'm the, I'm very authentic now. I don't have any walls. I'm very transparent. I'm not afraid to say whatever it is that I've been through or what I've uncovered or be seen as vulnerable. Um, but I'm not pretending to be vulnerable to try to get people sure. to like me. Sure. <laughs> so that's kind yeah, of cool right. too, right? Like it's, it doesn't go, it goes either way authentic, inside of yeah, that. You're an authentic person. Yeah, yeah. Those would be the key differences, I would say, for sure. Yeah. We'll transition into your book in just a second, but what, what happened for you when you realized that you may have had some, quote, trauma, and I use that for people who can see me in, in quotation marks, people who can't, you know, we all have something in our life. And so you realized that, wow, there's something blocking me from being, from accomplishing the vow that I had that I will never be poor again. What happened for you in your life that it finally like, aha, this is what happened or this is what's going on. And then how did you break that cycle? Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. Um, because I didn't think I had any trauma. Like I thought like life <laughs> no. the way it was, right? Like I yeah. thought that life the way it was, was just the way it was. I thought everybody, like I thought that was normal. Like, um, so how it is that what happened was I was always the girl. So in the first company that I built with my ex-husband now, um, I was the, the person behind the scenes 
making, you know, shit happen, right? Like I was the get Mm -hmm. it done girl. I was the, um, but I could never be the face of the company. And so the, where I started struggling is when I went out on my own, when I got a divorce, I didn't know why it wasn't like, why was I still struggling when here I am this wealthy person now, but I still felt completely inadequate. And mm-hmm. I couldn't put my finger on it because I always told myself that once I became successful financially and, and so forth, that I would be confident and I would be secure in myself. And it didn't happen that way. So I, it got me into personal development. Yeah. Like I've been always into personal development. Don't get me wrong. I've been reading books since I was 13 years old, but I mean, seriously into like, okay, what is really stopping me? Like I used to read it for fun, but now I was like, okay, I need answers. <laughs> Mm, I need to know what's happening with me. And I went to many therapists. I went to many different people. I worked with some of the best and the best in the industry. Um, And basically what I was told, and I'm not judging them at all because they're a really incredible psychotherapist like yourselves. Like it's, it's just with whoever I was experiencing, but what I was constantly being told was, well, just don't think that way. Mm. And I felt like, well, gosh, if I could just not think that way, I would have already done that by now. Like I, you know, of course that makes logical sense not to think that way, but what do I do with these emotions that I constantly feel Mm. that are always holding me back? And I never had anyone give me any answers. In fact, even in the business world, it right? The more deeper, like the higher up in business, the people that I got were more, again, just reframing. um, Don't think this way, just reframe your mind, reshift. And how I actually got here was I finally was like, I had a mentor I had paid $50,000 to and very well known. And he said to me, he, you know, I'm very coachable. I was doing everything he told me to do and I wasn't getting the results and I was really not understanding. So I went to him and I said, you know, what do you think I'm missing? I'm clearly missing something. What do you think it is? And he was so frustrated with me. And he said, just Mia, you need to go to your room and lock the door and not come out until you figure this out. And I remember okay. thinking, oh my, <laughs> okay. And I'm like, but that was the defining moment. James. Yeah. Like that moment really did a lot for me because I realized that whatever was going to happen was going to be in me. I was going to, I had to stop yes. seeking and I needed mm-hmm. to start really uncovering what was in the way of that. And that is what led me to the epiphany that it's all connected. I couldn't see back then. Mm -hmm. This was in my, you know, early forties. I'm 50, you know, 53 now, but I couldn't see back then that how, what was stopping me, what had me not wanting to be seen and really put myself Mm -hmm. out there was tied to an original trauma that happened when I was like four years old, between four and five. Interesting. Um, wow. And it all connects. Mia, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I love the authenticity and the transparency that you're obviously showing us right now. As a psychotherapist, um, it's interesting because I'm picking up on the sense of, he told you to go to your room. 
And so now you've connected this, um, like a parent telling a child this. And so now you go back into your room and now you've connected that with a four-year-old trauma that you experienced. So it was almost like literally that was the portal of let me mm-hmm. reconnect with my younger self and see what what was actually happening. So I love how he framed that, whether he realized it or not, that that was his way of saying, go to your room. And then that really opened up that younger side of you to be able to say, oh my gosh, this is what it's about. But it's so true. We all have something. And so without getting too technical, um, anyone who wants to research Erickson's stages of development, you can go through the different stages of development as a child and you'll know if you read it, you'll see, oh yeah, this is something that made sense for me. So you have... um, You'll know, like, for example, if you don't want to try things or you're afraid to try things or you're afraid of people will judge you, that's actually usually usually when you're three to five years old. That is something if you're not aware of that, all of a sudden you won't push yourself forward. And so you have all these ideas, but you have no self-confidence. So it's anyone who wants to research more about that. Um, Eric Erickson's stages of development will give you a really good insight on to know, uh, to maybe reflect on where you were as a child and how that shows up in your life today. Because the more awareness you have, the more you can change something. Because as we know, change is simply a thought away when you have the information and the tools that Mia is telling you, telling us about. Yeah. So good. So good. How did you, I know we should talk more about the book, but I'm just so fascinated by this. How did you then no, take, whatever. okay, you, you had this awareness and then from there yeah. you, you had this breakthrough. How did that breakthrough then all of a sudden manifest itself in your life and in your career? Yes. So like inside of that, like I was just became obsessed, like literally obsessed 24 seven. And I'm like, I know that there's something inside of me. So it's not outside. So what is it that this, Mm -hmm. what is really inside of me? And in doing so, like all the pieces started to come together. Like it really was that obsession that created that intention, mm-hmm. that focus, that drive to like uncover this. And then as I was beta test, you know, I would go and I would beta test people. Like I started mm-hmm. getting these like huge epiphanies of how this all connects. And then I would go, well, is it just me or does is this happening to everybody? And so I would beta test people. I would test people and every single person would come with their own unique trauma, right? Like I started seeing like, and then how that trauma would play out in their lives, um, like consistently Mm -hmm. until we close the loop. It kind of like, if, if, if you will, and I'm sure you have your way of of explaining it, but it's like an, it creates an open loop is what I like to say, is like when the trauma happened, it created an open loop that runs in the background of my mind. And so I always like to say, you know, like I could never, like we can never think greater than how we feel, Mm -hmm. right? And if we don't heal the emotional side of ourselves, we actually limit our intellect. So it doesn't matter how smart you are. doesn't matter if you have tons of degrees Um, you know, I've seen everything, right. I've helped people with, you know, four different degrees and they still couldn't make any money. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, how do you put these pieces together? And one of the biggest ones is overcoming the fear of judgment, right? People's opinions and judgments, which has us want to protect ourselves and remain hidden Mm -hmm. and unseen. And it often shows up in business as we don't take action on the things we know we should be doing. We will do a lot of busy work, Mm -hmm. right? Rather than Mm -hmm. being really productive. um, And we will turn down opportunities because, yeah, we don't see what really is there for us because 
we are afraid of being seen as it is the ultimate vulnerability, right? Yeah, have you seen right. that as well? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I have. You know, and it's interesting is, is to piggyback off that from a psychological approach. Sometimes we're like, well, I don't have any trauma or I feel really good about myself or my confidence is great. And that's true. But one little litmus test or one little thing that I always tell people is when you do something silly or something that you're embarrassed about, what is the, what's the self-talk you have right then? So for example, if you say, I'm so stupid, or I can't believe you did that. What is wrong with you? You're so ugly or you're so this or that. If you slow down for a microsecond and listen to what that immediate phrase is, that will tell you at the end of the day, when everything's stripped away, that is how you see yourself. And so it's a really good, I guess, entry point to say how, you know, I may present to the world that I'm doing really well, and you probably are, but whatever you say in your mind at that moment, that will immediately tell you where that potential trauma may be in your life. I love it. That's a great way. I love that litmus test. That's exactly right. Because the first <laughs> thing that it's so true, because the first thing that I have found in overcoming judgment of the fear of being judged is that we have to first become aware of the right problem. I know you see this too, yeah. but not one person has ever come to me, myself included, when I was doing this, we didn't have, I didn't have the right problem right? Mm -hmm. The problem mm -hmm. wasn't that I didn't want to be visible. That's not the problem. The problem is actually that I feared that if I was visible, I would be seen as inadequate. Mm -hmm. right? uh, that uh, is like not good enough, not smart mm -hmm. enough, not worthy enough, mm -hmm. not capable enough, not deserving enough, some not enoughness, right? Which all yeah. comes down to the fear, um, you know, the real underlying fear of the fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. Which goes to your value as well. And if you have no value, if you feel like you have no value, that value is going to translate to your business, your organization has no value. So if it has no value, then we can just spin our wheels and there's no profit that goes along with it. Totally. So then the first, that's why for me, that litmus there would be the litmus test is for you to also check in or a great action I would say to do right there is ask yourself, when did you decide that you could be mm. rejectable? When is wow. the earliest moment, earliest mm -hmm. experience where you made a decision that you could be rejectable? And so like mm -hmm. that is really, that really showed me like, oh, this is where I felt rejected. I know exactly when it happened, yeah. right? I remember that. And it really triggered that. And then the next step is like really making the decision to really face this fear lovingly. All fear is actually an illusion, which is completely yeah. an illusion, but it's trying to protect our emotions, like trying to protect ourselves from the fear of that original trauma. Have you found that exactly? Yeah. Like, is it? I have, yeah. You know, and psychology, um, an illusion is something that could be true, but it's not necessarily true. So a delusion is something that's very fanciful that, for example, um, I am the best friend of the president of the United States obviously a delusion. But an illusion is, since I lived in DC, I have many friends who know the president, which may or may not be true. And so that's the difference. So this, when, you, when you talk about fear itself, it's an illusion to say it's the potential that it could happen, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily true. And so if we buy into the potential of it being true, that illusion then becomes truth. And so the recognition of, okay, it's a possibility, but I choose something more. I always like to... Um, to say faith and fear ask us to do the same thing. Ask us to believe in something that may or may not come true. So when you think about it that way, you can say, yes, this illusion of fear is this, but my choice is to focus on this. And so as you start to retrain your mind and the neural pathways, all of a sudden that, that trauma is, 
is, is not going to be as, as profound anymore. You know, one, one other thing, and I'm totally getting excited here. One thing I always tell people is when you recognize the trauma from when you're a child, one technique you can do, and you probably talk about this as well, is you can write a letter to the younger self. For example, let's say James, when I was four years old, so I, will, I was Jimmy at the time. So I would write to Jimmy and I would say, Jimmy, you know, I, I saw when this person did this to you and my heart broke for you. I was so upset when that happened. I, I wish there was something I could do. If I were there, I would hug you. I would protect you. I would do this. I would do that. And as I start to reaffirm myself based on the older self comforting the younger self, then you have the connection of self-compassion and that self-compassion kicks in. And then all of a sudden the resilience kicks in because you're like, that's right. I would have protected you. I wouldn't have allowed that person to do this. And all of a sudden what happens is adrenaline actually can change the feelings of fear or sadness because all of a sudden you feel empowered. And so when you're able to move that into the next realm of protection, then all of a sudden you say, and by the way, when you get older, this is what's going to happen. And this is how you're going to respond, but it's okay because we're healing ourselves from that self, that ourself when we were younger. So when you, and then you start to give yourself advice and you work your way all the way up to the age you are today. And then all of a sudden what was trauma at the time now is healed. I mean, it takes a little more work than that, but it's really have to get in depth with that. And then all of a sudden you find that you've healed yourself through all those events. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm ready to conquer the world. <laughs> it's a wonderful, powerful technique. I've done it. I'm totally crying when I do it, but it's a really powerful technique. <laughs> no, it's awesome. I really love what you're saying here because really inside of looking lovingly um, at this fear, examining it, from this higher perspective, right? From like who you're being now, like it really allows the person to transcend it. And I think that that's the second key that I have found in spite of when we make a decision to really face it is really learning how to process our emotions. I don't know about you. I'm sure based on what you're sharing just right there, the same for me. Um, in my household, we were never allowed to feel like, we, the thing that w was said to us often was, you know, I'll give you something to cry about, right? Like feelings and emotions. I remember that. <laughs> right? Were you told that too? Yeah. Yes, mom. It's I remember like, that if you're listening to this. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so I didn't know how to process emotion. Yeah. I didn't even know how, even as an adult, I didn't know how to do that. I've learned that. And since I've taught many people how to process their emotions, but without knowing how to process what we're feeling, then we feel like there's only like, it feels like we're in a catch 22. Like we're damned yeah. if we do and damned if we don't, mm -hmm. right? Like either we have to suppress it and try not to feel or we feel overwhelmed by our, emo our emotions. Like we yeah. feel like they control us. So- yeah. Like I always felt like I was always caught before how I used to feel. I always felt like I was caught between these two things. Like either I had to just shut up and take it, or I had to like feel overrun by them and not know how yeah. to ever like stop on that treadmill. And so processing the emotions to really sort out what is truth for me, for, you know, each person is in their own perception, right? Each, you know, most often um, people don't see reality. They only see a perception of their re of yes. reality based on where they're coming from. So being able to process our emotions and being able to check in with ourselves and really ask ourselves, like, what meaning are we giving this? And what's the truth? And what's the lie about that? The meaning we're giving. 
And then from looking at that truth, from that higher consciousness, right, looking down that big picture view strategy, looking down on instead of being caught in the details, being able to see what the truth is and what the lie is, being able then to take that understanding and go, okay, so now what do I have to accept and then forgive? So that I can really transcend this. If I'm going to, you know, like, and really to move forward, I have to accept what. And there's that acceptance piece of like, whatever that is for us, which then allows us to move into forgiveness, which to me is all about really um, being forgiving, right? Like being forgiving of, you know, instead of feeling like, well, I'm going to be the better person, not that way of forgiving, but really just being for giving and allowing ourselves to grow bigger than the experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And in doing so, then in clearing up, that's that next step I would say is in the fear of judgment is just understanding the misconceptions and misunderstandings that were in our way. What I have found is that to break the pattern, we need to gain an understanding and awareness of the truth of why we fear judgment. And so the truth is all judgment is a projection of something that we don't want to own within ourselves. And so when, when, right. And so when I can, you know, meaning if we judge others and ourselves harshly, then what stops us from being seen is not wanting to feel more of those same feelings of judgments happening inside of us. And so what I've found is that when we live in fear of other people's judgments and we operate under these misunderstandings or misconceptions, that something outside of ourselves could ever determine if we are good enough, if we Mm. are worthy enough, if we are capable enough, if we are loving enough. Um, But who really determines this? Who really determines if we're enough? We do. Mm -hmm. And so like then in like really from that place going like, well, when would we ever, when would we ever know when we are enough? And it all comes down to that individual decision, right? Where we literally internalize that as a truth, as deciding Mm -hmm. we are enough. Yes. Mm -hmm. Even though we don't know how it'll all play out or how we will, you know, be capable, you know, but the decision, (laughs) yes, the decision to be enough, right. Um, and to really decide we are enough is what it takes before the how will show itself. Like how that will look in every different situation, different context with different Mm -hmm. people. Um, and then, you know, lastly, um, also applying the truth of this. And so awareness, what I have found um, is awareness is not enough to create a result, right? So we've got to do something. This is that actionable <laughs> thing, right? We, we can't just be aware and, you know, at least it's know. never worked for me, right? Awareness yeah. is never enough to get a result. But what I have found is that when we do these exact steps and we apply this truth as a living, breathing experience, right? And when we heal our trauma, the the original one, um, which allows us to then be our authentic self in any circumstance, in any event, in any situation, with any type of person, what happens is we learn how to free our mind 
mm-hmm. right? From that negative self-talk, which is what you were, you, you know, beautifully shared in that litmus test of how to even find that. When we heal that, when we process those emotions right there in that negative self-talk and we no longer judge ourselves, and then we let go of thinking that someone outside of us is ever going to determine our worth. We really take back our power. Yes, we certainly do. You have said so many amazing things. And I we didn't get a chance to really go through your book. But once I highly endorse this, and my listeners know this. Um, so Mia Hewitt, your book is Meant for More, Stop Secretly Struggling and Be a Force to Be Reckoned With. All of what you're talking about is obviously your brand and you are a walking billboard of that, of that success. I highly endorse this book. I want my listeners and viewers to go purchase this book. But if they want to find more information about you and to purchase this book, Mia, where would they find this information online? Sure. You can go to my website at www.mia and then Hewitt is spelled H-E-W-E-T-T dot com and get the first three chapters for free. Like dive into it, see if it speaks to you. Um, That way you can really know if this is absolutely for you. It is it is the truth. It's a true story, but it's told in, in a story format on purpose. So I want to say that real quick is the reason is that I wrote it in story. It's for you, the listener, for you to get the most value. Because what happens is our limiting beliefs, we don't experience our limiting beliefs in the moment we're having them. We think that Whatever is happening is just the way it is. So the reason I wrote it in story format and you are to ask the questions um, that my higher self is talking to my younger self in, you ask the same questions I'm asking my younger self and you will be able to uncover and unravel all of your limiting beliefs about what has been stopping you. I love that. I absolutely love that. One more time, my listeners and viewers, the book is called Meant for More, Stop Secretly Struggling and Be a Force to Be Reckoned With. Mia Hewitt, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today. I had a wonderful time with you today. Thank you so much, James. It's been a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you so much for having me. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.